it was made it easier that the birth mother wasn't in the picture for all of us really honestly mm-hmm. I felt like it might have been more difficult for my dad if she was in the picture so things work out I think for a reason you know and my my dad's wife has told me that I have been a blessing to him and especially with his PTSD symptoms were have improved so much Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today's show features Susan. She called me from Irving, Texas. When Susan found her natural mother, she learned she was conceived in transit when two young lives collided, then never saw one another again. Her birth mother's life seemed too chaotic for a deeper connection, and the woman ended things abruptly when Susan didn't behave the way she wanted. Her paternal connection, while a complete surprise, was filled with joy and acceptance for a father who needed to fill a void and a daughter who craved the same. This is Susan's journey. Susan and I spoke on a rare, rainy day in Texas. She said a family portrait that was scheduled for later that day would have to be rescheduled. Susan was the oldest child in her family in Amarillo, Texas. Her parents adopted another child 18 months later. Then her mother gave birth after that. She was adopted as an infant, and her mother had a unique relationship to Susan and her birth mother. I always knew I was adopted. My mother that adopted me, she was a nurse in the hospital where I was born. So she took care of me and my birth mother in the hospital. Oh, wow. That's now, the birth mo- Yeah, the birth mother did not know she was adopting me. You know, she just was the nurse taking care of her. That is so fascinating. Yeah, so I, I was born in a small osteopathic hospital and it was a private adoption there was no agency involved it was just you know my mother the birth mother a lawyer and a doctor you know so is it uh, is, is it your impression your biological mother didn't know that the nurse who was taking care of her and you was going to be the adoptive mother but do you have the sense that your mother knew that you, the baby, were the child she was going to receive? Yes. Really? No, she knew. Oh, that's... My weird. mother... Yeah, my mother that took was took me home was... She knew she was taking me home. The doctor had told her there was a baby, you know, someone coming in. And my mother's first child passed away when it was an infant. The mm. My adoptive mother's first. Mm. So, apparently, she didn't think maybe... She wasn't having any luck having any more children at that time, so she thought she would adopt. Mm -hmm. And so she knew this woman was coming in, and yeah, it was. she knew she was taking me home. The birth mother traveled to where she had me with her husband and three children. Susan and her younger brother never felt different in their family as adoptees. She said she has a good relationship with her siblings. Susan was very active as a child, running track and getting by in school academically. 
when she was 13, her parents divorced, so her mother moved the family from Amarillo to Dallas, Texas when she was 16, right in the middle of Susan's high school years. She left a city where she knew everyone to start at a new school where she didn't know anyone. As a nurse, her mother could make better money in the big city. Susan admits she pushed the limits quite a bit with her mom, staying out late with her friends and trying to get over. Her mother was an only child, raised in a strict home with a father who was a church pastor, so Susan was definitely testing her mom as a teenager. Around 16 years old, Susan's curiosity about where she came from got stronger, so she asked her mother more questions, and her mother shared their full story. Susan wondered if she looked like the woman her mother spoke of, and in what ways they were similar. When she got older, Susan married, two years after high school, had children of her own. Then, her curiosity bubbled up again in her 30s. I wondered what it was about having kids that changed things for Susan. Because they, they, they were part of me, something I had not had before. And, you know, what's the genetic line here? Is there any medical issues or, you know, I never could properly fill out a medical form at the doctor's office mm-hmm. for myself, you know, or I just had it. I just had the interest. Susan's neighbor was also adopted and had found her birth father. So the women went online with her birth mother's name and tried to search. They started their online sleuthing 20 years ago. So the internet wasn't the vast trove of information that it is today. They found some information, made some cold calls, but didn't find the woman. Susan decided to go to the courthouse to try to obtain her records. The decision to release and adopt these records, at least at that time, was the judge's decision. Susan's appeal was rejected by the judge. He told me no, but I am very persistent, so (laughs) I went back. I went back the next year, and I thought I would try it again. And I saw the same judge, and I guess I presented it a little differently, and he decided to give me my file. Oh, that's excellent. Yes, so I got my file, which really had nothing in it that I did not already know. It had her name, the story, the signatures, you know, the home quick study, and uh, all the stuff I already knew. So I have it, but... uh, My mother was really honest with me about everything, and it was all accurate as to what she had told me, so that was good. (laughs) Back in 2012, Susan's husband's uncle did a lot of genealogy work, so he decided to join the search. On obituary.com, the uncle found Susan's birth mother's name associated with the death of one of her children, one of Susan's older siblings the uncle reached out to one of the surviving children to try to connect Susan with their mother. The woman agreed to speak to Susan, so she wrote down all of her questions for her birth mother, then made the call the next day. So I reached out to her, and you don't, you know, you never heard the adoption story, but when I was conceived, she was traveling from California on a passenger train home, My birth father was also on the train, and that's how they met, was on the train. And there was a lot of alcohol involved. And per my papers, my my adoptive mom's story, my birth mother was married 
she had three kids. She got pregnant on the train. And so her husband, you know, said, you know, you need to put her up for adoption because she's, she's not part of this family, really. So that's how my conception happened, was on a passenger train. Wow. She does not remember anything about it. So I had no information on my birth father. None. Nothing. She didn't remember him. She doesn't remember anything. They, they had bars on the train, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like a hotel, basically. Yeah. They both were traveling from California as passengers. I think she was going back to Kansas where she was from. Mm-hmm. The conception was in September of 1966. Yeah. And so I did contact her and she said, oh, you're the one from the train. Are you serious? Yes. Oh my gosh. So I was like, oh, yes, I am the one from the train. Is there more? <laughs> And she said, yes, there was one more she put up for adoption when she was a teenager. Really? Yeah. But just that reaction was like, oh, yes, I'm the train baby. (laughs) How do you mean that? Like, what did it feel like to you? It was so nonchalant, just like. Oh, okay. so you're the one from the train. That's when I was like, well, how many were there? And it was, it was okay. You know, I was, I had already had my emotional time the day before. I didn't want to be like that when I called her, you know, I wanted to have my thoughts together and my questions. I didn't want to be tearful or emotional. What was the day before like for you in terms well, of it was, emotional? Yeah, that was, that was very emotional when my uncle told me that he had found her and he had called me and said, are you sitting down? And, you know, he's like, I found your birth mother. And I was like, wow. And I was very emotional about it. I didn't know, you know, what to expect. So I had my emotional what ifs and thoughts and such the day before. And I was prepared to call her. I have a good mother already that raised me. That's my mom. So Mm -hmm. I was treading on waters a little bit because I didn't know how my mom would react. She never seemed to be very supportive of me searching. What what, what clues did she give you that suggested that? I just think she was afraid maybe that I would have, she had insecurity. Maybe I would, you know, leave her and go towards my birth mother. I think that's an insecurity that adoptive parents must have that, you know, I've raised you. And I've took care of you and your mind. And this other person can't just come in. And, you know, I think that was her feeling more is that I would maybe leave her for someone else, another mother, you know. And I, I, I definitely had to reassure my mother that that was not the case because the scenario really went downhill with the birth mother. Her and I spoke on the phone for about six months. I never felt like I wanted to meet her. Really? And that, that, now that feeling has kind of changed over the, those nine years. I, me and her were in contact for about six months. And my husband had told me, you know, sometimes he said, you don't know what you're going to get into. You know, it might not be everything you think or hope, you know, it could, it could be bad. <laughs> so, and it kind of did get bad with everything I thought it might be. It wasn't, you know, she, 
was married, had three kids. I was conceived. Then I think three years after she put me up for adoption, they had another child together. And then I think her husband and her divorced a few years after the fourth child was born, not counting me, but their fourth child together. They divorced, and at some point, he took all the kids from her in the 70s, you know, which is kind of odd back then for a man to do that. Oh, yeah. So she was pretty unstable. He took all the kids from her, and she married multiple times. I don't know how many, but multiple, multiple, and she just did not have a very stable life. And when I found her, she was maybe 75, maybe a little younger, but she was alone and she had really not really a relationship with one of the children had passed in a car wreck and that was the youngest that was in the obituary. And then there's three others older than me and she didn't have really a relationship with them. It was a lot of dysfunction. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Wow. And she actually ended our phone conversations. She ended our whole deal. I guess she wanted me to come meet her. And I just never felt like I wanted to do that yet. I was being real cautious, you know. I just wasn't sure if I wanted to do that or not because of my adoptive mother. Plus, she was, and I hate to say it, she was so unstable. I just didn't know, you know, how that was going to work out. Yeah. It's hard to know what you're walking into. Right. So she, one day when we were having a conversation, she just told me, she said, I think you only wanted to find me for medical history and you really didn't want to meet me. She put everything on me. Like it was all my fault. Hmm. Like you haven't, you have not come to see me. You don't call me very much. I think I'm just going to end this right now. And she hung up on me. (laughs) Oh, wow. What did you think when she said that? I mean, was she right? Well, I just felt like she was real. She was very needy. I don't know. And it just felt like she was putting all the responsibility on me. Like, why didn't I do more? And I felt like she could have put just as much effort or if not more into it if she wanted to. I mean, I, I did find her, but I was being cautious because of my own family and what was I getting into? And I was taking my time. I didn't want to rush into it. So she ended it. And I never, I didn't call her back. I just felt like, you know, if that's what she wants, that's fine. I have a mother. So, and you, I mean, it was, a, it was a little hurtful, I'll say. But she, I felt like she put me up for adoption. I've, I found out what I needed to find out. And I'm not going to be the one doing all the work here. Susan said she was happy with the way things were. She never got the strong response from her birth mother that suggested a deeper connection was to be made, so she never rushed into a relationship. Susan said the other side of her story is much better than her maternal connection. Can you imagine a random stranger that her mother conceived her with on a train ride across the country ended up being the better connection than with her birth mother? In September 2018, Susan did an ancestry test to learn more about herself. She wasn't looking for her birth father. She wasn't even thinking about the man. Among her family links was a young man in his 30s. They shared a lot of DNA, but 
he figured Susan must be from his mother's side of the family because she's also an adoptee, and he thought he knew his paternal family's history pretty well. They did a lot of research, but they couldn't quite decipher their linkage. The young man asked his grandfather about Susan, but he didn't know anything because, of course, he had no idea about his son's adventures on that train trip. His grandpa said, if the lady's bugging you, just stop talking to her. But Susan and the man in his 30s were closely related. They didn't know how, but they became Facebook friends anyway. So something just kept telling me to, you know, I was looking through his page and his relatives, and I was looking at his grandpa's because I said, if he's my half-nephew, then his, one of his grandpa's could be my dad. So I sent his grandpa a private message, and I told him who I was and my story and when and, when and how I was conceived, and I told him that he would not know about me. I would be a complete surprise. And so he responded, sorry, I get, this gets me a little emotional. It's okay. Take your time. Okay, so he responded the next day, and he said, he said, yes, I was on a train. He said, due to the Vietnam War and the alcohol involved, he said, I can't help you with finding your birth mother. I don't know anything about her. But he said, I was on a train in that month. And he said, I did meet a woman. I just don't remember anything about it. And he said, if I'm your father, I would be glad to talk to you. So I was like, oh, wow. wow. <laughs> he could really be my dad. Wow. And... So him and I began emailing. We didn't speak on the phone yet. And uh, I asked him if he would do a DNA, and he he felt like he didn't need to. He believed that the the time frame, the story, his grandson, which is my half nephew, there was no need for a DNA test. So mm -hmm. wow. during for during that first month, we pretty much emailed every single day. He's uh, in the Marines for 25 years. I was conceived in that September. He was going home for a 20-day stay and then going back. So during our communications and sharing things, I still was not completely 100% <laughs> sure that he was my dad because other than the grandson, I thought, well, maybe there's still someone else in the family that I don't want to get too close to him and that, then get disappointed. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's someone else, you know, within the family. And so after a month of us communicating, I told my children, which was super easy. But for him to tell his was a little bit harder. He had gotten married six months after my conception. He was single when I was conceived. But he married, and they have been married for 54 years now and have four kids together. So his wife has been such a supporter and all on board, such a blessing. So he told his children, and immediately his daughter, who's one year younger than me, reached out to me, my half-sister. Mm. And after we communicated for, for a while, I asked her, would you be open to doing a test? I don't want to ask my dad to, to do one again but I would like a little closer relationship DNA. So she agreed, and I sent her her test, and it came back and verified that she was my half-sister. 
So mm. then I knew 100% that was my dad. Wow. So it's funny. I connected with him in September, which is the same month I was conceived in, in 66. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's just strange. But he, he and I immediately connected. So... When you say you immediately connected, how do you mean? I don't, oh, I just, it's hard to explain. It's just, we just have a great connection. <laughs> Him coming from the military, he has PTSD. So it was good for him during this time after he retired. I think he'd been retired about seven years. You know, it was rough being in the military and having PTSD and then having to retire from your job kind of lonely you know yeah for him but i'm sorry <laughs> you don't have to be sorry i'm with you i hear you it's tough because you you i remember you saying that you weren't that close to your adopted father no and now you've got this guy whom has acknowledged that he was on the train and is receptive and uh, he's, yeah he's he he stepped up to the plate for sure yeah and he he did not have to but even but no, more he, than that you feel a connection to him which is not something everybody yeah. feels and that's incredibly yeah. validating and rewarding and for you to come into his life at a time when he needed something new and fresh and Right. You know, I mean, you might feel like you're some kind of a, a reward almost. Susan's birth father isn't a big conversationalist on the phone, so she thinks their email exchanges were therapeutic for him. She also admitted talking over email was easier because the phone conversations were too emotional for both of them, more for him than for Susan. He was adjusting to having a new daughter. There was probably a little bit of shame attached to telling his family what had happened in the past and that Susan was part of their lives. Still, the man opened up an email about his life, his wife, and Susan's siblings. She said those electronic exchanges are a treasure to her because they have so much information in them. DNA testing has the potential to be so validating for getting answers even when we're not expecting them, as it was for Susan. It was great for finding her birth father and for validating her relationship to him through her sister. But it's also incredibly rewarding to just connect, hear the stories, and see whom you look like. Honestly, I look exactly like my dad. I saw, I had only seen pictures of my birth mother, and I always said, I don't look like her at all. Mm -hmm. I must look like my birth father. And so I favor him more than his other children completely wow we look very similar very very similar and that's very cool to me you know plus our we have similar characteristics and and personality i think that's why we get along so well he's kind of like my long lost not twin you know but i just i think i feel a spot in his life now that he was kind of lonely and then I have the dad I never really completely felt like I had. Susan and her birth father communicated for six months before they met in person. 
her nephew, the guy whom she first connected with through DNA, and his grandfather, Susan's birth father, flew from Michigan to Texas together to meet her. They rented an Airbnb near Susan's house, but she didn't go to meet them at the airport. I could not pick them up from the airport. I could not do it. My husband had to do it. I, emotionally, I just could not do it. I was a wreck, a complete wreck. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I had to get a prescription for my doctor for a few days. I was just, well, I've never felt like that in my life. Just complete anxiety takeover. Complete. Yeah. That I've never had in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so I, I told my dad, because I know his personality too. He was very emotional. And I think he felt exactly the same way as I did. He couldn't eat or sleep. It was, it was worse for him. He, I mean, it shut him down for a while, you know, at home. He was processing a lot. And I can imagine. My siblings, three of them, three of the four siblings on that side, we have a great relationship. Like I say, they, they came here for their first visit and it was it was great. My husband took me to the Airbnb after they got settled in. And yeah, it was it was great. I mean, you know, you just I just can't explain it. Can you tell um, me, just talk me through going to the Airbnb with your husband and getting to their door? Like, just tell me the scene. It was only a five-minute drive from my house to their Airbnb. Like I say, I was just extremely nervous, and I, I was just a bundle of nerves. I expected, in my mind, to get out and walk up to the door. My husband has a big truck. And I'm only, I'm not very big. So when I got out of the truck, I couldn't see over the truck. You know, it was, mm -hmm. it's a big, tall truck. And so when I walked around the corner of the truck, there was my dad just standing there. And so I wasn't expecting that. I wanted to walk to the door, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I remember that vividly. Him being there, just standing there and his smile on his face. And we hugged and hugged. And then I cried and looked at his face and. Same for my nephew. Hugged him, and we we had a good time. We had a nice visit all evening, and it was just crazy. We just stared at each other, you know. Just mm -hmm. A lot of just staring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just looking at our similarities and everything. It was just crazy, you know. And so, you know, it was it was made it easier that the birth. Mother wasn't in the picture for all of us, really, honestly. Mm -hmm. I felt like it might have been more difficult for my dad if she was in the picture. So things work out, I think, for a reason, you know. And my my dad's wife has told me that I have been a blessing to him, and especially with his PTSD symptoms, were have improved so much. Oh, that's great! Wow, and, uh, that's really fascinating. Yeah, that he comes here very often. I think the first year that in 2018 when we connected, or 2019 is when we met in March, he came here to Texas six times. <laughs> wow, that's cool. We shared our birthdays. We shared Father's Day. We shared a lot of special things. Like I just still felt like, Gosh, this is crazy that they accept me this much and are so caring, you know, and loving. And it's been great. My dad just left 
this past Monday. He was here oh, for 12 days. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> He's, yeah, his wife encourages him to come and get to know his new family, and he comes often, and it's just medicine for him. Susan and her husband have also traveled to Michigan to meet her siblings. I'm sure you can imagine it was another nerve-wracking event, but she said it was a great trip, and everyone's been very accepting. When we spoke, Susan said her birth father had just left after a 12-day visit. She also pointed out that her husband lost his father at a young age, so her birth father has been a meaningful addition to both of their lives. I was curious about how Susan manages her sibling relationships. Their family has been a unit for a long time. The eldest child technically no longer holds that position. And there could be some feelings around her birth father's change of attention to focus on her. Well, I say in the beginning, after I met them and all, and the few times that I have gone to Michigan, I've made sure that I've spent individual time with each one of my siblings. I wanted to make my relationship not based on what I've been told over the years or, you know, because there's dynamics in every family. So my dad is, you know, might be closer to one of the siblings and not closer to another one. And so I wanted to make sure that if they were open to me, that I have an individual relationship with each one of them. Oh, that's smart. So the, the oldest daughter, well, she's a year younger than me. She's very open. We FaceTime. We message. She's, has, she has a strong faith-based personality. And her and I love each other very much. It's, it's like we've been sisters all along. We just were separated. Wow, that's great. And she's, she lives an hour and a half from him. So he's going to see her this weekend, actually. I think with me being in the picture, though, they're there is probably a little jealousy, but I think they're all happy for him because he's been sick off and on with the PTSD. And mm-hmm. this they're happy that he's better and they're they're old enough now, you know, and have their own families that they're not the three oldest ones are fine. There's another one that's the youngest. She came along a little bit later and she's not <laughs> she's not open to me yet and she I don't I don't know I think maybe it could be a jealousy thing like you said she's the baby she was not close to my dad growing up he was gone a lot he was he was kind of an absent father to them because of the military Mm -hmm. their mother raised them pretty much Mm -hmm. and his wife has told me a lot of this and so have the kids they've told me the truth he wasn't always there and if he was he might not be there mentally because of the war and and such that affected his mind and he he has some childhood trauma too so he's doing the best he can but I think this has probably helped him a lot and I I'm not pressuring the youngest sibling I'm stepping back and just letting her take her time I know that she questions her mother a lot about me and she actually is friends with me on social media, but I've reached out to her two times, and she's she's not ready yet, but she didn't give me specifics. She must know from her siblings and her parents all that she needs to know, know that it's all good, and I'm not a threat in any sort. 
It's got it's got to be tough for her though, as a the baby, right? Babies tend to get doted on in families, and if her father was absent, and she would have liked to have had some of the attention from him that she didn't get, and now here years later, you show up and you get that attention. Mm-hmm. I could see how it would be challenging to say, like, yo, I mean, <laughs> hello. Yeah. How is it that this person is coming in new and is getting all of mm-hmm. this attention? I've been here this whole time and I didn't get that attention. So tell me, mm-hmm. like, help me figure out what's going on here. I could see how it yeah. might be tough. I don't know if that's true. That's my yeah. speculation. I don't even have siblings, so I can't really speak to that. But my guess, just looking in yeah. from the outside, I could see how, based on what you've told me that that could be a possibility it could be yeah. just straight jealousy just like look i don't need much more siblings i don't go away you know it's hard it's hard right to know. I, yeah i've looked at it in all different angles and i think it's probably a combination of everything and so like i say i i understand that and i went into this knowing that that could be a possibility all the way around with anyone you know mm-hmm. i after going through the rejection with the birth mother, I had my guard up, you know. I didn't want to get too close to my dad, even if I didn't think he was on board. I had a lot of insecurities. I thought he might back out on me at any time. Yep. Because that happened to me with her, but he's he's had to reassure me multiple times he's not going to do that. But it's still, he's had a few moments with the PTSD into our second year. The first year was, they call it the honeymoon phase, right? Mm-hmm. And so everything was happy and lots of communication and, you know, lots of excitement and everything. And then the second year, it kind of slowed down a little bit. And uh, he had a surgery and had a recovery to go through. And during that time, I think, you know, he had some PTSD issues. And I thought it was me. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it wasn't. But. That is one of my insecurities now that I found him is losing him, mm-hmm. whether it be, I don't think it would be a rejection of him rejecting me now. It's now death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this is one of the challenging things that I think isn't often calculated by adoptees or by others who are observing the adoptees in their lives is that when you find reunion, you go mm-hmm. from two parents to three or four. And there's the possibility now that you're contemplating the passing of all of these individuals, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing to be forced to think about, but it's very real that you, you have now more parents, more siblings, more family to be concerned about than you did previously. And that can be tough. And especially given how close it sounds like you've gotten with him, like mm-hmm. you guys are tight and that's going to be yeah. really hard. And I understand yeah. that fear, I, you know? Yeah. I feel like I need to get pre grief counseling to, to prepare myself because it's not something, you know, no one looks forward to that at no. all, but right. I do know that that's going to happen. And I didn't get a lot of time with him. So I really, enjoy and relish the time that I do have now. Sure. And that's all you can do. Because in yeah. all honesty, it, there's, it sounds to me like the PTSD also has a role here in his life where yes. 
and I, I, I'm no expert. I know zero about PTSD as it applies to our troops or anybody else who's gone through trauma that has left them with PTSD. But I would imagine that there is an element of him being very much physically alive and potentially not being available because of the PTSD. So, you know, it might be good for you to talk to somebody about just what all of that means, both your concern for losing him as your dad, but also your concern for, for losing elements of him from PTSD as well. Yes. I, I have done that a little bit already when he was recovering from his his surgery. I did not understand PTSD. Now his wife has explained a lot to me and I was like you, I knew nothing about it. I did a lot of research mm-hmm. and watched a lot of uh, a podcast for military with PTSD. And mm-hmm. it is a true, it is a true, you know, mental uh, disorder and mm-hmm. it's, it's very sad, but it, it's, it's very much alive and it's not something you can just shake off, you know, all in all, he's, he's, he does really well. That's good. Say. And, and, uh, your show, your all your podcasts help me so much with the feelings that come after the first year oh, that's <laughs> of good. excitement. I I would put my AirPods in and go walk, do my miles, and listen to different stories. And definitely listening to other adoptees' stories helps so much. Yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah. That's. That's really awesome, and that's what I'm here for, is to try to just help yeah. more and more of our stories to come out, because they're all so different and nuanced, and yeah. but we share some of the feelings that we, that are, that bubble up within us from some very, yeah. very different situations. You end up feeling the same things, and I think yeah. it's helpful for people to hear that, and so I'm just, I'm really glad that you were trusting of me to help share your story. I'm so glad that you were here. Let me ask you quickly about your adopted mother. How do you how do you talk about where you are now with your biological father with her? Thank goodness it's the birth father, not the birth mother. It makes a difference. It does, um, yeah. She thinks a lot of him and that means a lot. She has a great, you know, thoughts towards him as being a you know, a man to step up, a military person, very honorable, you know, but I'm still very careful with letting her always feel like she's number one because I wouldn't be where I am without her. Yeah. So when he's here, she comes and sees him. Oh, yeah. that's cool. She, yeah. She visits with him and thank goodness, because that, that means a lot to me for her, you know, to be a part of it with him too. So yeah. You don't want to feel like yeah. you're keeping two separate lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want her cause I know that she, has a little insecurity about that. So it's important for me to always include her to come over and visit with him when he is here. So yes, she, she is good. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Very good. And it sounds like you're good, which is most important. Yes. Yes, I am. Excellent. So, all right. Well, Susan, thank you so much for calling me today. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad that you're interested in sharing your story to, help support other adoptees out there who might be sorting through their own feelings. So thanks for opening up. All right. Well, thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. All right. Have a great day. You too. Take care. All the best, Susan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. 
Susan shared that she just wasn't getting a good feeling about making a maternal connection work, so when her birth mother hung up on her, she just let the relationship go. Finding her paternal nephew and the connection to her birth father, a man who didn't even know she existed after a one-night stand on a train ride, changed everything for her feelings about reunion. Her nervousness about being accepted were washed away when her birth father and his children accepted her into their lives. I'm sure it must be tough for her youngest sibling to reconcile Susan's emergence, and I hope one day she'll understand that it's not Susan's fault she's here, and she'll find room in her heart to accept her older sister too. It was great to hear that Susan finding her paternal family gave her father's retired existence a new sense of purpose. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Susan's journey that inspires you validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash really or follow on Twitter at really. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash WAIReally. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out the story of my adoption journey. Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir on Amazon.com, on Kindle, or as an audiobook on Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.